This is Trimming the Musical Fad. Welcome to our special seven-episode mini-series focusing on the 1980 singles and albums from U2. And here's your hosts, Stephen and Paul Nicholson. Welcome to the fourth episode of our special U2 side series. I'm Stephen Nicholson. No brother Paul today, but I'm happy to be reunited with fellow U2 fan Ross Braidwood as we discuss the Unforgettable Fire album and the singles released from it. If you want to hear what we thought of U2's first three albums, Boy, October and War, listen to episodes 65, 70 and 73. Want to watch those episodes? Go to Spotify or the TTMF YouTube channel. It's a tale of the tape. The Unforgettable Fire was the fourth album from Irish band U2 and was released in October 1984. It was recorded in Slane Castle and completed in Windmill Lane Studios Dublin between May and August 1984. Unlike the first three albums, which were produced by Steve Lillywhite, Unforgettable Fire was produced by Brian Eno and Daniel Lanois. The reason being that the band wanted to pursue a new musical direction and ambient sound. The album's title is a reference to The Unforgettable Fire, an art exhibit about the atomic bombing of Hiroshima. Here's some facts in relation to the album. So it was released in 1984. There are 10 songs on it. The album duration is 42 minutes. Chart-wise, in the UK, it got to number one and number 12 in the US. So it was their second UK number one album. And it also reached number one in Australia and New Zealand. Sales-wise, it got 8.1 million sales which is a 25% drop on the previous album, War, but more than double that of Boy and October, the first two albums. The album rating on RateYourMusic.com is 3.63 out of 5, and that is based on 7,000 ratings. So that rating is up on Boy and October scores, but just very slightly down on the score War Got, which is 3.69. The album cover is it's a black and white uh, photograph which was taken by Anton Corbin at Moydrum Castle. And it's got the four band members standing in front of the castle and there's a, a maroon border at the top and at the bottom of the cover with the band's name and album title written in gold. The, there were two singles released from the, the album, and they were Pride in the Name of Love, which was released on the 3rd of September 1984, and the title track, Unforgettable Fire, which was released the following year uh, on the 22nd of April 1985. So let's delve into both of them right now. So first up, Pride in the Name of Love. So the album's first single was Pride, which was released on the 3rd September 1984, and it came out one month prior to the Unforgettable Fire album. 
Now, interestingly, the single version of the song is about a minute longer than the album version. And of course, what normally happens is the album version of something is usually long, longer than the single one. Its B-side was Boomerang 2, which is an outtake from the recording sessions for The Unforgettable Fire. A double seven-inch final version of the single was also issued to the UK market, and in addition to Boomerang 2, it included Boomerang 1, which is an earlier and primarily instrumental take of the song. Um, and as well as that, it had a version of the album track 4th of July that is longer than the one contained on Unforgettable Fire. So the single cover for this um, well, features a black-and-white photograph of the band framed by a, a thick white border. Now, the main video for the single was directed by Donald Camel um, in August of 1984. It depicts U2 performing in St. Francis Xavier Hall in Dublin, Ireland. The, the opening and closing shots offer a view of the Dublin Docklands area from the air. A second video directed by Barry Devlin and filmed in the spring of 1984 features performances um, of U2 shot at Slane Castle during the recording of the album. And a third and final video was directed by Anton Corbin and features the band members' faces in and out of focus against a grey backdrop. So Pride reached number three in the UK charts and became the band's first top 40 hit in the US, reaching number 33. The song reached number one in New Zealand, becoming the first time the band had reached number one in any country. The lyrics were inspired by Dr. Martin Luther King, while the music was initially developed during a sound check in Hawaii during the war tour and later completed during the Unforgettable Fire sessions at Windmill Lane Studios. So Pride has been a staple of most of U2's live sets since it debuted in 1984 on the Unforgettable Fire Tour. And here's an interesting fact. Did you know that Chrissy Hind of The Pretenders sang backing vocals on the recording and she was married to uh, Jim Kerr of Simple Minds at the time. In 2012, Bono re-recorded Pride with DJ and producer Tiesto and it was released on a digital-only release titled Dance Red Saves Lives. In it, Bono finally went back and fixed his error in the original lyrics and sings early evening, April 4th, instead of early morning, April 4th. And that's because Martin Luther King did in fact get shot in the early evening. In 2004, Rolling Stone ranked the song its 378th best song on the list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. So Ross, we're kicking off with Pride in the Name of Love. What do you think of it? Before I thought about the album. <laughs> but we shall get to that. Okay, straight in there. Pride in the Name of Love. Classic. Oh, a classic single, I suppose. Um, 
it's got a great a great opening riff by the edge um at the very start and uh yeah it's a beautiful song isn't it? i mean it's about uh martin luther king um yeah quite uh although i suppose somebody's quite sad because it's obviously lyrically about uh, the short rounds out in the in the memphis sky so but the song itself is quite upbeat you know and then uh, i suppose what i kind of remember of the song is vh1 in the video and um, it's kind of set in dublin so I remember, remember, I remember watching that. We used to kind of watch a lot of music through VH1 or just actually watching it on the TV. And um, and I think there's a bit where it goes to this, uh, they're playing on a stage or something, like in a church hall. That's right. Uh, Bono looks like Zed out of the um, police academy. Give me this, the mullet, the mullet do. And I like the old black thing. But yeah, just a, just a great song. And then uh, Paul, I and... Quite a soulful song, I would say, particularly towards the end of the, kind of the outro, as he's kind of singing it and just kind of humming uh, on the way out. You know, it's just a, it's a song you feel can just go on for forever and ever. Yeah, I mean, picking up on the Martin Luther King, it's, it's taking a, a tragic event and 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 turning it into something celebratory. You know, the the memory of him living on. Um, so I think the lyrics, as you say, are great. You know, the meaning behind it's really great. But it's an undisputed U two classic. A rousing anthem. I think the band are on top form on it. It's got that great driving bass line and drums. I think Bono's given it his all there. And I think the, the Edge has got his fingerprints all over this song. So yeah, uh, one of one of you two's best. So um we're ranking each of these singles over each episode as top, middle, or bottom 80s U2. Where would you put Pride, Ross? Yeah, top tier. Same here. That would go top tier as well. So we're in agreement. We're off to a good start. Let's see if we can keep that up with the next one. Uh, the song, The Unforgettable Fire. Unforgettable Fire was the second single from the album and it came out in April 1985. Its B-side in the UK was a live soundcheck version of the Unforgettable Fire album opener, A Sort of Homecoming. And that was recorded at Wembley Arena, London, on the 15th of November 1984, and it was produced by Tony Visconti. The cover of the single features four sepia-toned portraits, one for each band member, arranged in a two-by-two grid. The band cited an exhibition by victims of the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, that was held at the Peace Museum in Chicago as a lyrical inspiration for the song. Now, the song itself evolved from a short piano composition that the guitarist uh, The Edge had written during a demo session with Jimmy Dextry, who's from the band Blondie. Uh, the song features a string arrangement by Irish jazz musician Noel Callahan. Now, the video for the song was directed by Maher Aves, 
and the band travelled again to Sweden with others in January 1985 as they had done for the New Year's Day video two years earlier, knowing that they would be guaranteed snow. Now, the clip, produced by James Morris and Michael Hamlin, uses photographic techniques to film light trails of objects in motion, including traffic and amusement park rides. The Unforgettable Fire was the first single U2 release that reached number one in the, in the Irish charts. The previous three singles, New Year's Day, uh, Two Hearts Beat as One, and Pride in the Name of Love, had all peaked at number two. It became the band's third top ten hit here in the UK, reaching number six on the UK singles charts, and it got to number eight on the Dutch singles chart. The Unforgettable Fire was first played live at the fourth show of the Unforgettable Fire tour on the 2nd of September 1984 in the New Zealand city of Auckland. So Ross, Unforgettable Fire, what do you think Ooh. of it? So I've done some notes on this, I've listened to the album a couple of, couple of times this week um, and I kind of always thought this was Unforgettable Fire but it's the most 80s sounding song by a mile, probably. Particularly singles, anyway. Um, it's not, I feel as much a rock track as a, obviously, got a lot of, sort of synth in it. Uh, production's very 80s, but then that's the, the I think, the influence of Brown, you know. Uh, it's got strings in it as well. And so, mm. uh, it doesn't feel quite like a, uh, a rock track or a, a classic U2 rock track, I would probably say. Um, and at one point it was my favourite song of theirs actually I mean it still is up there but it was, at one point it was my, my favourite song um, and it's um, aye uh, it's got a brilliant sort of intro as well I, I love getting the intro before that actually kicks going and you know it's all big instrumentation and then the drums kicking and the bass and yeah so it's uh, builds up you know and maybe not a classic single um, but yeah it's just a, a, a great song and um I love the kind of strings at the end as well. You know, a bit of the very, very interesting string part. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of reminds me of you better reckon on why we don't have that bit where it's got a string at the end. You want that string part just to go on a bit longer. It's just, it's just a lovely line. Um, so, yeah, it's just a um, brilliant, brilliant song. Um, but not really a sort of, I'd say, a classic, a classic YouTube single. Very off its okay. own, I think. Yeah, well well, I had pretty much ignored this song, really, until buying the band's uh, 80s Best Of in 1998. And I was kind of reminded of it. And yeah, for me, it's a great song. Love the chorus. Uh, and that instrumental passage uh, after the second chorus is great, which I think you were talking about there, where it does go very 80s in parts. You know, they're in, bing! That uh, <laughs> be more 80s. It's good, and, and I agree with you about the, the strings on it are great, especially the ending where it kind of fades out with just the strings. That's a really, really good part. So, yeah, big fan of the song. So I would be going top tier with this. Where would you go? Definitely top tier, yeah. You would go top tier as well? <laughs> We're in agreement again. It's probably quite easy, because I mean, that's probably the finest of the, of the 80s, so yeah. I'd be surprised if you didn't like the song. Maybe not necessarily top tier, but I'm quite confident you'd like yeah. it. Yeah. 
Before we talk about the Unforgettable Fire album, let's hear from our U2 hater friend Davey Mellon and get his thoughts on Pride in the Name of Love. Take it away, Davey. This feels like one of the founding blocks that all other U2 songs are generated from. Having said that, it is a great founding block because I do really like this song and I like the Martin Luther Vig, Martin Luther King vibe going on there. But a lot of uh, their future songs seem to have been based on the template that this, this song generated, including some of the songs that I've already reviewed for you. Um, but that said, I do like this one. Let's talk about the album these two singles came from, The Unforgettable Fire. So what was the critical reaction on release? Well, the reviews were generally favourable. The NME praised the album and the new Eno Lama production team. Uh, the review said the, the, the old four-square rock unit has been deconstructed. In its place, there's a panoramic soundscape, multiple textures, subtle shifts in emphasis. Tony Fletcher from Jamming said it was not an album full of hits. It is, however, a forceful collection of atmospheric ideas and themes, forgettable at first but strangely haunting and soon firmly implanted. Fletcher added that Eno's production removed some of the heavy metal from U2 and replaced emotion as the driving force. Kurt Loder was critical in Rolling Stone. U2 flickers and nearly fades. It's fire banked by a misconceived production strategy and occasional inter interludes of soggy, songless self-indulgence. This is not a bad album, but neither is it the irrefutable beauty the band's fans anticipated. At the end of 1984, it was voted the 29th best record of the year in the Paz and Jop, an annual poll of American critics published by The Village Voice. By contrast, it was also included in the 1991 book, The Worst Rock and Roll Records of All Time. Retrospectively, Bill Graham of Hot Press wrote in 1996 that The Unforgettable Fire was U2's most pivotal album and that it was their coming of age that saved their lives as a creative unit. Um, so, can you tell me, Ross, when you first heard where and when you first heard the album, The Unforgettable Fire? It'd be the same, be the same as Boy in October and uh, War. I think I just got a collection of stuff from my brother well, through his pal at work. So I remember that, uh, having, having it on record first. So I remember listening to it then and eventually bought it. So, yeah, again, probably mid to late 90s. I mean, I, I knew... I knew Pride, but that would have been probably it. Um, other than that, so I so that that's when I would have heard it. What, what, what did you think of it then, and what do you think of it now? No, I, I mean I think just listening to it twice again this week. I listened to Monday night last night, um, and from when I first heard it, um, I always felt it was sounded different to definitely very very different to the first three albums. Different producer, but. You can just even just tell without not knowing the producers that it, it just sounds a very different album and sounds uh, all, all the songs. And uh, 
And I still love it as much as I did when I first heard it or after a few listens when I really got into it. You know, um, yeah, there's maybe some songs and it's not as good, but in the main, are pretty, I think it's a pretty good album. Maybe not quite classic, but really good album. So, yeah, I think it's like most of the U2 albums are, they're from that era, they're, they're, it's still as good as I, as I remember it to be. Still sounds good. Yeah. Well, for me, I first, as per usual, first heard it at the gym last month. And as I've, I've said previously in the previous three episodes, uh, you know, I wasn't a fan of that early 80s to mid 80s um, sound. So I hadn't listened to the first four U2 albums until uh, recently. Um, so now I've listened to Boy, October War and The Unforgettable Fire. So what do I think of it? Well, my thoughts on this are quite similar to, to War, actually. I think it's, it's a good album. It's better than October. Not as good as Boy for me. Um, and maybe under what I think War is a better album. But, you know, it, it's nearly there. Uh, it's nearly on par with it. Um, and I think, again, you can hear the progression and the sound from, from the off, and that's probably not unsurprising since they've now got uh, Brian Eno and Daniel Lenoir uh, producing. I think the band are on fine form, and I, and I think with this one, you can kind of hear them marching towards the stadiums and the Joshua Tree with this album. You can, you can hear the roots in there, and I think it starts off well with a sort of homecoming, uh, which is a good tune. I hadn't heard that before. Uh, the album closer MLK was a bit like the war closer 40. So I think you could draw parallels with it. It's kind of short and then fades out. Uh, nice though. Uh, I think Elvis Presley in America. Well, well, I'll talk a bit more about that one when we get to choose our, our least favorite track. Spoiler. Um, I think <laughs> Bad Pride and the title track are all great. Uh, I think it was something like the 4th of July, which is just a strange little instrumental but quite interesting so in somebody yeah in my opinion it's, an, it's an, an album of two great songs six good ones and two average ones don't think there's anything i would say is really bad on it uh, but unlike boy it, again it hasn't had me reaching for my wallet to, to buy the the vinyl edition of it um so the album cover uh ross what do you think about the album cover and overall album artwork uh, I've got an album here actually. Yeah, I mean, I think it's quite a, it's quite a sort of striking image. I think it's Slain Castle, I believe. Um, yes. So the photo is quite a sort of, uh, I don't even know who's actually in the photo. It looks like a woman and there's a guy behind it. And yeah, it's quite hard to make out, but it's got a sort of dreams, dreamy sort of effect. And obviously, you've got the colour, it's almost like it's not maroon, but it's quite similar to maroon. So I've always kind of liked the colour of it. Um, and the sort of the, the font of the Unforgettable Fire U2. Um, well, certainly the front cover, I think the back cover, they're on in the back. So, yeah, I, I think it's quite a straight striking um, yeah, front cover, actually. Uh, again, just probably thinking about the October, uh, the front cover's not the best. But, yeah, again, just a continuation of uh, quite a, maybe not a classic front cover, but fairly memorable, yeah. It's funny uh, because I've never really taken much notice of this album cover over the years. And I agree with you on the, the colour scheme, the maroon, which is maybe not unsurprising since our, the football team we follow in Scotland is Heart of Midlovian, who play in maroon. So maybe that's not a great, a great surprise we like the colour scheme. Uh, but I actually find that the, the band are maybe a, a little bit lost in the photo 
that's on the the cover. Um, I'd, I'd like a, a more defined image. I hear what you're saying there about it's maybe a more dreamlike type thing they're going for. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't do it for me. And um, let's talk about our favorite our, our favorite three tracks on the album, Ross. So um, I'll maybe kick us off with this one. So my three favorites, well, two of them I've already talked about, which is Pride, uh, the title track. And my third choice would be a song I first heard on that Best Of in 1998, which is Bad. So yeah, I first heard it uh, on that best of, and, and it kind of flew under my radar until, funnily enough, uh, a, a visit a long weekend in Dublin with friends where we stayed in a couple of cottages and somebody put this on one morning and it really grabbed my attention for the first time. And it does sound so you too, doesn't it? Love the tambourine at the beginning, which jumps from the left to the right channel when you listen to it on the headphones and it just builds really well and, and soars when you get to the three minute but mark and Bono sings you know wide awake and at the four and a half minute mark when the band fully fully kick in uh yeah I think it's a, an absolutely brilliant tune big fan of it what's your three favorites uh so when I kind of looked at this I'll, I'll, I'll probably didn't go into detail on the actual album itself just by the song so I'll probably a wee bit mm. here and so would you look at the kind of my favourite and obviously over this week I've been kind of thinking like, what would it be so there's five songs for me that very difficult to to pick three from so they would be Sort of Homecoming Pride obviously uh, Unforgettable Fire Bad and MLK so they're five songs and I think very strong songs and I always kind of thought right, very difficult to pick three, three out of that and it probably just up to probably just couple of hours ago probably just decided what, what would be so definitely the first one would be sort of homecoming. That's always one of the ones where I always think it's more, one of the most underrated songs and people who don't really know them, it's like, you, you need to hit and hear the song. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the, it, it kicks off the album. I think it's a great start to the album as well because it gets you straight into it. There's no like an intro to it. It's just a, in, in, in with the band. And, uh, and it's got, I don't know, I, I love the lyrics, you know, just around through the fields and driving snow. It's quite visually lit takes you to where what he's singing about, but also about coming home, something about coming home, something nice about coming home, you know, and uh, it's a song I've just always kind of loved. And it also the live version of it in Why They Were in America, which is faster, that's just as good. And it just shows you that as a live track, it's, it's a really strong song. So that was definitely my shoe in uh, for, and, uh, and my favourite song in the album, actually. Uh, definitely. 
And then after that, it was probably more, more difficult and then decided to go with uh, Pride, uh, again, just because it's already mentioned it, but it's a beautiful song, so cool song. And then it was really between, yeah, Unforgettable Fire and uh, Bad and MLK. And then and in the end, I've kind of opted for Bad, again, because it's probably a lesser known track. Um, and just looking at my notes, again, it's uh, the live the there. I just didn't re- realise, actually, listening to it last night, is how slow it actually is compared to the live version, again, Why Do Make in America, or the version they did uh, for, for Live, uh, live Aid. Um, uh, but but it's, although it's a slower version, it's, uh, it's a, such a, a brilliant song. Uh, and I, I think it's maybe got some kind of Irish flute going through it as well, or something. I couldn't quite work out last night what it was, but... There's a bit in the sort of chorus where uh, there's kind of, so it's got a kind of an Irish Celtic sort of feel to it, not overly, but that, and maybe that's that's part of it. Uh, and it's quite an uplifting tune, although I believe it's about heroin addiction. So <laughs> it's maybe not the most uh, cheerful and maybe lyrically, <laughs> but musically it's 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 quite a, a quite an upbeat song. So yeah, so that's what I've kind of opted for, band, pride, and sort of homecoming, but very difficult. Because MLK is again another one, brilliant song. Um, and again, listening to it last night, if you actually hear how it starts, it starts just like where the streets are going in. It's got that same synth line. So, and that's the last song on the album. And Streets Are Name is the first one on, on the Joshua. So, it's almost as a bit of a kind of linkage there in terms of how it kind of starts. And again, it's a short song. And also, uh, it's continuing the. Uh, after war, you know, uh, I think a brilliant song eight to end it, and a short one as well, actually, but a short but brilliant song. That's me. Okay. So that's uh, the three favourites. What is your least favourite track on the album? Ah, so quite, probably quite easy. I think I'm uh, probably agreeing with yourself. Is it Elvis in America? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Aye, so, yeah. I think the other songs. I mean, I like the the five I mentioned. Like, I, I like Fourth of July. Not as much as the rest of them. I do like it. It plods along, but I do like it. Promen has a lovely wee song as well. So you start to go through them. So they're, they're fine. Uh, and then you start looking at maybe Indian Summer Sky. Those are pretty decent. So, but I am in America is one of the ones where I think it was his vocal was recorded in one take. It was just the way it even worked. And the song, musically, the song itself is all right, but it's it sounds like he's out of tune in parts. Uh, and I won't look at it, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it sounds like he's in pain in parts. It, it feels as if he is. And uh, it's too bloody long, six six minutes, 20 or something. And it's just, oh. so it's not a good song, not a good song. It should have dropped. Do you know, what, do you know what's funny, Ross? I've got some notes here about it. and. They're identical. What you've just, <laughs> what you've just said, God. The, I think my notes. God, this just drones on for over six minutes with absolutely no hooks whatsoever. And and mother note. And what's going on with Bono around the two minute mark? Did someone stand on his foot? <laughs>
experimental. Yes, well, we'll be kind. It's experimental. So after all that, Ross, where would we rank the the album in terms of the U two U two's albums? A, a top it's middle be, or it's going to be top top again? It's top for you again. Well, uh, there's enough on it. There's enough on it, and just because of it, just sounds different to the other three as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, Very good. Uh, now I'm gonna go just like war. I'm going mid tier. Okay. Uh, I'm going mid tier with uh, this one. So that brings us to thoughts about our penultimate. Well, penultimate album that we'll be looking at um, this time round, which is the Joshua Tree in the next episode. So that's one of probably two's acknowledged blockbusters so looking forward to discussing that next month uh diving into that in a little bit more detail and that's going to be quite tough to i think pick the three yeah, favorite tracks on that one isn't it yeah exactly so uh if anybody is listening you want to weigh in on unforgettable fire or let us know what you think about the Joshua Tree and some of the tracks on it so we can perhaps share them on the show. Please get in touch via uh, the usual channels. So until then, Ross, again, thank you for your company and insight. And we'll we'll look forward to catching up again next month. Until then, keep trimming. Trimming Music Fat Podcast is a Stephen and Paul Nicholson production. Contact us via voicemail by going to anchor.fm forward slash TTMF forward slash message or tweet us at, mu- at Musical Trimming or email us at trimmingthemusicfat at gmail.com. Keep up to date on the show by joining our Facebook group or visiting our website www.trimmingthemusicalfat.com or support us financially by going to Patreon and getting some great podcast exclusives.